Welcome back to the Doctor Who Flashcast, recapping every episode of Series 10 of Doctor Who. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined for the second time this season in person with a person who is my guest and who I watched the episode with just before we began recording. This time it's Aline Sims. Hello. Hello. It was, this was not a plan. I didn't actually like come to Arizona just to do the Flashcast, but it turns out you, you offered to be on this week, and I realized that we would be within 30 minutes of one another and perhaps... We should watch it together in person. It could work out. It was a lot of fun. I don't, you know, Justin and I watch it, but it was nice to have another person in the room who was kind of laughing at the jokes and everything. Yeah, we were furiously, uh, it was intense though. We were furiously writing down notes and I, I, I know that I'm going to go back and watch this episode again and realize there's a million things I missed because it, it happens. That's the perils of the flashcast. You watch yeah. it once and then you talk about it. Yeah, and I noticed that I would be taking notes and you and Justin would laugh at something as I was looking at oh, my phone. See? So I was like... All right, I gotta. Yeah. I'm gonna. There are probably maybe little things that you're gonna talk about that I didn't even well, see. So. That's great. Let's hope that I caught. Uh, I caught those things uh, before we go. So this is World Enough in Time, Part One of the two-part season finale by Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat gets his last chance at the big uh, showrunner-defining blowout climax of the season sort of thing. This episode begins. In snow, with the doctor standing outside the star- the TARDIS, starting to regenerate, and shouting "No!" and glowing and glowing, much but better. But not his hair. Much better no than um, Darth Vader in Star Wars Episode Three. That's because Darth Vader didn't scream no in Star Wars Episode Three. Like what, what 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 did he say? He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> anyway, it was uh, what a look. Everybody knows Peter Capaldi's going to be leaving, so why not just put it there and say, yeah. I know this is going to happen. Now we're not going to see it again until next week. Yeah. But laying it out there, I, I read an article. I think I mentioned this on a previous Flashcast. There was an article with Stephen Moffat before the show even started the, the season where he said they were doing the regeneration differently this year and that he ha- and he had some thoughts about the Christmas special. And I was really happy to see that because his thoughts were Christmas Death at Christmas is no fun. And when the last episode of A Doctor is the Christmas special, that's kind of a downer. Yep. And that he didn't want to do that. And he wanted to make the Christmas special be kind of optimistic. And so I've been thinking about that this whole time. And I'm optimistic even more now that this is what we're seeing is this story is going to tell us why the Doctor regenerates. And then however they do the Christmas special, and hopefully it's... You know, he's on his way to regenerate or he's it's in his head and he's thinking about whether he's going to regenerate or whatever. However, they do that. Um, I'm happy because I kind of regenerations in the season season finale makes total sense to me in the Christmas special. I don't like it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they could do. It could be like. Haven't you wondered what goes through a doctor's head as they're regenerating or like what, like, so are they imagining possibilities? Is it like a flashback? Is it go into the light? Like, right. What is that? The, um, there's, so I'm going to, I'm going to cut out my classic Doctor Who nerdery. That's going to happen again, by the way, as we talk here. Okay. Um, there is, so when Peter Davison regenerates into, uh, Colin Baker, there's actually a scene for about like a minute and a half where he's laying on the floor and the sort of lines are coming out of him in this special effect that he's going to turn into uh, Colin Baker. And it um, and basically like the images of his previous companions appear and implore him not to die. And then the master appears and says, no, you should die. <laughs> and then he regenerates and, and doesn't end. die. Yeah, the master is a jerk. So uh, really, like, we'll get into it um, <laughs> in all the ways the master is a jerk. But uh, that was interesting. And then there was also a big Finnish audio play that was actually set during that that moment. And the whole idea there is he is visited by, the doctor's visited by these um, by these characters, including the master. And they're sort of like representations of them in his mind. But it's the internal struggle of does he want to go on and, and how does he want to do that? And, and so I agree. I think that even having seen that touched on, like that would be really interesting if that's what we end up with. I'm okay with a weird existential and ultimately optimistic Christmas mm-hmm. special because presumably then the end of the story is he decides to go on living and regenerates. Mm-hmm. And that's that sounds – rebirth sounds like a much nicer story for Christmas Day than death. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what Christmas is kind yeah. of, you know. So yeah. It's I, either I, that or do it at Easter, but yeah. one of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that could be a really, a really interesting thing to explore. Um, 
if Stephen is Stephen Moffat like really involved in the he has to be really the, involved everything in they've that. said is that the Christmas special is Stephen Moffat and Peter Capaldi so see, and he's been so hit and miss for me since he became showrunner so it'll be I don't know we'll see how it goes but yeah yeah it's uh we'll have to do a reflection on his era I, I think there's real highs and lows um anyway so the episode starts and we we find a spaceship that is 1056 uh floors levels yeah however decks they, they mentioned miles later but i think it was like 400 miles 400 miles long 100 miles wide and 1056 levels of, of habitation there might be other things going on but we we, we specifically are seen, shown the roof of floor 1056 which we're going to get back to and then a bunch of other row, uh, floors that leads us up to uh number one and it's right next to a black hole firing away it's a very large ship and into the bridge of this ship comes the tardis and out comes missy with a little thing in her ear and nardole and bill and it's very clear that this is the doctor's simulation or test for missy about like you could be the doctor and indeed she says hello i am doctor who and these are my what do you call them companions (laughs) pets something thing one and thing and the yeah. other one <laughs> she she is oh, i don't missy. know again it, missy is another another thing like who has been very hit and miss for me for several seasons but and missy has been hit and miss for me but i loved her in this mm-hmm. episode from the very very beginning um where i don't know she was it, it was like this appeasement and also having fun at the same time and definitely putting her missy spin on things but um i loved it later on when she she's like she and bill are like kind of arguing you know a few minutes in the future and and bill's like why are you saying you're doctor who it's the doctor and Mm -hmm. missy's like well people always say doctor who i'm streamlining streamlining also it's his real name (laughs) she then says and uh which and she's like what do you mean it's his real name and he says well you know he shortened it he got tired of it it's not a bit on the nose um th- there's a lot look Stephen moffat's a lifelong doctor who fan and i think one of the things that he really delights in is this sort of meta commentary on the sh- text of the show and the concept of the show itself and with missy this season you know it- it's all leading up to this moment which is the doctor wants missy to be good but he wants more than that which i've said people who've listened to me on this flashcast all year know I have found it perhaps the most interesting thing in this entire season is this concept that Missy could decide to be good, but that's not enough for the doctor. He wants her to decide to be him. Like, he has his own rules about what good is and how you are good. And her, because she has that moment in one episode where she says, well, if we kill Bill here, then the Earth is saved because she's the conduit to the monks. And he says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. She says, but that would be good, right? And it's just like different morality. And I've, I've said, forgive me listeners who've heard me say this before, the short version is, I really like the idea of the master as not being evil, but being trying to be good with a morality that doesn't conform with the doctors. He's, you know, the, if the master is ultimately just not the doctor instead of the doctor's opposite I find that actually much more interesting. And so here we see it finally kind of laid out, which is let's do a trial run. And Missy's like, you know, she's trying, but she's not the doctor and she's not particularly good at it. And she's not taking it entirely seriously. And it's uh, and it allows Stephen Moffat to have that meta commentary on the entire format of the show with, as Missy calls them, exposition and comic relief for yes. two companions. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that... I, I agree. I think it could be a lot more interesting if it were, you know, like Missy and the doctor and they occasionally come together and they're both working for some kind of common good. But what those touchstones of morality are, you know, are maybe a little bit different and in, in, uh, maybe not very nuanced necessarily. But, you but know, it's not quite the same as the old. I mean, the old master was a mustache and the old show, a mustache right. twirling villain. Exactly. I think not not especially the Anthony Ainley version which I grew up with, he's just, you know, I, I do bad because I need, uh, the show needs a stock villain mm-hmm. and that's not that interesting in a modern context and different kinds of morality and what makes a hero and why does the doctor choose to be who he is and using the master to sort of like explore that. I think that's, I think that's one of the most interesting things yep. Stephen 
Moffat has ever asked about the premise of the show. So yep. we we got you know now we've led to the, this moment where they are uh, they are at play acting Doctor Who here, but a blue man appears. A blue man with relative symmetry. Congratulations on your relative symmetry. Yeah, right. Because he's on. Isn't he on a screen and is black, black and white, and white. then he shows up and he and he's blue. And Nardole says, "Oh, blue. I should I should do blue again." Nice. Like he's yeah. been other colors he and been. faces and things over Nardole's. Nardole's never to be discovered. History is fascinating. Um, and uh, but they're looking for humans, and he wants to kill if whoever the human is, because the monsters come and they only come for the humans. Yep. And uh, the doctor at this point is like, I got to get out there. And, and he's about to deflect this whole situation when Bill admits that she's the human. And after a, uh, a little bit of brinkmanship on the doctor's part, what happens is that Bill gets a hole shot through her chest. So I love Bill. I love Bill too. She's, we all love Bill. We all love Bill. She, I don't know that she's my favorite companion of New Who, but she's She's vying for contention. In 11 episodes, she has come a long way to winning our hearts, I would say. Yep, I totally agree with that. And that moment where we see her kind of with the shocked look on her face, and it's like, okay, and and they had me. I was like, all right, did she actually get shot, or is it one of those things where the doctor managed to deflect, or like something happened? It it turns out that it went wide right, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like, did it happen? I felt like, for me anyway, they played that really, really well, because I did wonder, and I do know that there is a history of of companions you know being dead pretty quickly yeah. and so so i was not like, as right. much as, not as much as you might think in the no. classic series i think it happened like twice or three times depending on how you count but but uh but, but i it's also always know that there. bill's leaving yep. so i was like okay is is this actually the thing mm-hmm. and is the regeneration like is this the catalyst for the regeneration and um and i but and then they pull back and she's got like this cauterized hole through her through her torso chest, yeah. and i'm just like it's like a cartoon I ha- yeah i had a little wibble i was like oh mm-hmm. oh okay this is like this is actually becoming real and i'm not ready for bill to go yeah. i'm not ready for bill to go i i had that feeling like well she's not just this is not going to be the end of her story but it, it may be a complication that leads to bad places and that's exactly where it ends up going um but after she shot through the hole, again, Stephen Moffat, enjoying his ability to tell stories non-linearly, now backs up further to the um, a discussion at the university about sending Missy on a test. So now we get that part. So mm-hmm. he's, you know, he, we're taking back a second step to, um, I want to test her. Bill is kind of noncommittal to questioning him. Um, there's speaking of meta commentary at one point he says you know I, we'll take her to a planet i'll pick a good one one of our uh, one of our usual saturday planets which makes me laugh because not only has the doctor professed his love for saturday before but of course doctor who airs on saturday and for most of its run aired on saturday even back 50 years so uh but um but bill is kind of not having it uh doctor says something very interesting about the master when she when she asks why he cares so much um not just that that Missy is one of his old or his uh, is his oldest friend, but the only person who is even remotely like me, mm-hmm. he says. Now, wow, even remotely, but like, sure, like like him, except also murderous and has killed many many people. But the doctor's killed many people uh, yep. just with a different set of rules, right? Exactly, and also, I mean, they really are, as far as we know, anyway, two of a kind. Um, maybe not like peas in a pods. Wow, I'm really cliched today. But like, they're both. You know, the doctor stole the TARDIS. You know, it's it's not right. like he's out there doing things according to the. You know, yeah. And in the new series, that we haven't seen it, but in the old series, like the Master's got his TARDIS and he's popping around the same. I mean, they are they are meant to be this parallel or mirror set. And hey, you know, your mirror image is. A lot like you, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if it's also exactly the opposite, it is a lot like you. So, yeah, I think it's... um just, just again, this this theme just it keeps coming back, which is the master is like the doctor. We think of the master as the doctor's opposite, but the master is like the doctor, and yep. the doc, and that still matters, even though they're not the last of the time lords anymore. Still matters that they are they are so much alike. And Bill says you want her to be good, which gets to the heart of it. Like that's what this is about: the good, good by the doctor's definition of good, which leads to him having an emotion. So congratulations <laughs> to the doctor. Nardole takes a emotion. selfie. <laughs> 
an emotion <laughs> selfie. Um, and then we get Stephen Moffat yet again is going to put as much grist in the mill of can the doctor be a woman as possible because we get all that dialogue. Right. She was uh, she was my man crush. He says she's very confused. He said, "Well, she was a man back then. I'm pretty sure I was too." Uh, we don't. We're not constrained by your your in his Scottish accent by your definitions of gender and and societal uh, conformity to roles. And she says, "But you're still called the Time Lords." Yeah, shut up. Yeah. And he also like <laughs> named them Cybermen. I don't know if that name came from him or not, but like that may not have. Cybermen. But yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shut up. That, That's continuity. We have that to made me it. laugh. But I I was also like, okay, but we have this record. Like we know that the Doctor has always been male like as we would conceive of it anyway more or less yeah and so um i don't know but he's really old and i guess some things kind of start to fade away but it seems like who you were at different points in time maybe not so much i don't know he's pretty sure but he's several thousand several thousand years old he's he's pretty sure yeah. It's a funny line, even though yes, yeah. I had that same fanish moment of like, well, come on, yeah. You know, the the uh, that was there used to be a time when that when there were lots of arguments about if the first Doctor was really the first Doctor, and the problem is that in Matt Smith's last episode, they count literally counted the regenerations, so it's sort of bottled up now. But yeah. still, just a I like that that uh, Time Lord. Uh, attitude which is which fundamentally we've learned now that they can regenerate across genders and so he just laid it out there it's like come on we're advanced we don't care you can be whatever you want to be and you you know we're not trapped in your definitions and roles and uh and it's just uh it's not a big deal but fingers uh, fingers crossed that the next the next doctor is actually a woman a lot of us were hoping for that with with this one yeah Uh, well if it doesn't happen what the beauty is that Stephen Moffat has put all of it in the text. So yeah. if Chris Chibnall decides not to do it or the BBC decides not to do it, um, nobody is going to be able to argue that they couldn't do it because right. it wasn't canonical because Stephen Moffat has put it in Very the canon. Very clearly. Very clearly. Um, yeah. So he's done, I feel like he's done his part in making this um, part of the canon. And uh, and seeing Missy act like the doctor, right, is another part of this too. Mm-hmm. Between Missy and River and Clara... And me, right? How many, how many women who are in a doctor role have we seen in just Stephen Moffat's tenure? I mean, for there's lots of things, as we said, positive and negative about the Moffat tenure. But I feel like Stephen Moffat has tried repeatedly in his tenure to show. Um, and then we'll throw in um, uh, Jenny in uh, an episode in the Russell T. Davis ten- tenure, the Doctor's daughter, right? I mean, right. Women who are Doctor figures, there are lots of them in Doctor Who now, which is, um, I think, intentional. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, the references, too. There have been many references to yeah. female Doctors. And the Doctor's wife was where it started, mm-hmm. and um, with the Corsair. Yep, um, and Corsair is who I was thinking and of. Then, yeah. And then, you know, fully with Missy, we got the, uh, we got the answer there. Yes. So, so all, the, all those are going on um, in this flashback-ish part where bill just says she scares she me, scares me yeah. promise you won't get me killed and he says i can't because you're humans you're so fragile you pop like balloons I wrote that down too yeah and she with says well just heart. try well within reason is the answer and we already know she's been shot through she has a hole in her chest now and that's the moment where it brings us back to the spaceship yep and um, the monsters who I knew the monsters were about to appear because the last thing that happens before bills get shot is we see that the elevator has reached floor zero right. or one or whatever it is. It's the top floor. And so we know that door is about to open and um, monster people come out with little keyboards that they talk with and basically say she will be repaired using the with the voice of Nick Briggs, who, by the way, is also the voice of the Cybermen. I wonder if that will be important and if the word repair instead of healed Mm -hmm. yeah 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 no you didn't know that this was gonna have the cybermen in it i didn't know so did you twig at any uh, well i guess it's later when they when they do the little we've learned how to take out your emotions with this bar that goes on your head that looks just like the cybermen was that the moment that was the moment see i don't um i'm pretty i'm pretty good at avoiding spoilers so i you're really good i often don't know what's happening until 
like I'm watching the episode. So like, I don't know who's in episodes. I intentionally just don't even go after that information. So I did have a moment where I was like, I know this is leading up to something. Is it the Daleks? Because there have been, you know, kind of episodes like that. Is that, so I knew there was going to be something, but I wasn't sure what it was. So when I, you know, later in the episode, when we get there, you know, when, my moment where I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is a Cyberman episode. Um, but I knew it was it wasn't like oh, there's I, a big bad in here. Like I knew that was going to happen. I wish I hadn't. Known. So they they because the answer is because they do outdoor filming of some scenes, those things they can't keep a secret. And so going in, if you were paying attention, which you I'm so happy for you that you didn't get spoiled on this stuff. We knew there would be not just Cybermen, but these Mondasian Cybermen. They only appeared in the first Cybermen story, uh, The Tenth Planet, which was William Hartnell's last story. He regenerates at the end of the episode. I think Stephen Moffat's setting up very and has been for a couple of years now setting up the Peter Capaldi and William Hartnell parallels. Mm -hmm. I think that this is the... He's never said it, but I've read this for a while that Peter Capaldi having the new regeneration cycle that was granted to Matt Smith is the new first doctor. And that's like Stephen Moffat's really leaned into that. Mm-hmm. Like they're both they're both older and uh, grumpy and he's just sort of like gone with that. A little violent. Um, but, but And it was in Hartnell's last story that they met these Cybermen for the only time because they were redesigned when they came back for Patrick Troughton. And they were... Um, well, we'll get to it. They're, they they look like this, though. And so I wish I hadn't been spoiled, is my point. Because when we go down to the hospital level and we see the faces, that's that moment where if you're a classic Doctor Who fan, you start to get the heebie-jeebies mm. of like, oh, no. Okay. Because the, the, the wrapped mummy faces are a key characteristic of those first Cybermen. And and so that would have been... It would have been fun to know, figure out when I would twig on that. Um, but... Alas, they yeah. shot some extern- some location stuff with the Mondasian Cybermen, so we all um, who were paying attention to that didn't have to didn't have to spoil. The BBC released it, so mm-hmm. if you're paying attention to what the BBC said, no, you got that one. I don't. So pay good t- for you. Don't pay attention to what the BBC says. Bless you. Messed I stopped up reading of Doctor Who. I've stopped reading most spoilers, but that's a th- that's a thing. I uh, that's a thing that I could not avoid because I know too many Doctor Who fans. Okay, so she'll be repaired. Yay! And now. We get the explanation from the blue man mm-hmm. about what has happened, which is that this is a colony ship. They were getting it prepared. There was a skeleton crew of about 50. They ran into this black hole. Um, they they sent 20 of the crew down to the engines to do full blast engines and make sure that they were going as quickly as they could to avoid getting sucked into this black hole. And then these creatures arrived Um and again, you not being spoiled about the premise of this episode, which was actually laid out, I believe, in the trailer last week, um, got to... See, I don't even watch that. Got, I just yeah, don't even... Got to piece together, um, got to piece together what I, I realized, because I knew that that was the premise of this episode, the moment that they said it, that what happened to those 20 people who got sent is because of time dilation, as mm-hmm. the doctor later explains... Um, and Bill has explained to her as well, the um, because of the time dilation, time on the bridge is running very slow relative to time at, at the, the at the other end of the ship, and so um, what that means is that uh, that time is is passing so slowly that um, the twenty people who left to go to the far end of the ship, which is hundreds of miles away, um, have been living their lives and breeding and having new generations and all these creatures that have shown up are all descendants across the rest of the ship. They're all descendants of the original 20 people who were sent to the engine room. I realized late in the episode that if I had paid more attention to the screens, I maybe would have figured that out because of the pop, not well, the population at the bottom of the ship, you can tell, is like really, really dense. And then it kind of gradually goes up to nothing at the top. Yeah. And if I had paid attention, I think that would have been a clue for me. But I, um, as a character-driven person, I tend to more pay attention to the people and their faces and their expressions and their interactions and less to what's happening on the screen. Uh, so I'm. Uh, it would have been nice to kind of figure that I, out. But it's okay. It was a tidbit, but I, I think that unless you have thought a lot about relativity 
um, you probably would not have gotten it. Well, as uh, Justin was watching with us and he was like, these people, they're explaining it. Obviously, they've never seen Stargate. And yeah. So, yeah. Know. Yeah. No, there's that there's that episode of Stargate where there's a Stargate so, around a planet that's around a black hole and there's a time dilation thing and they can't be saved. Running away in horror. And they'll never frozen. get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's good. I just watched that episode. So that, that brings us to Bill's Adventures in the Hospital. She wakens with a creepy man standing over. Yes, that's never good. And but she has been repaired. She is uh, alive and the doctor, not not our doctor, the creepy surgeon says um a full conversion wasn't necessary. I mean, you I think he says you'll you'll need it eventually, of course, but we didn't need to fully convert you now. See, that's another thing that I should have picked yeah, up on. That's clue. That's like clue number one because yep. they start talking about conversion, which is like cyber conversion, and later there's the conversion theater, and here it's it's made to look like a hospital instead of what it was in that um, in that original. Uh, introduction of the Cybermen to the new series where it's like a factory floor mm. with spinning blades and things and screams. Here it's here it's a, a horror hospital and that's, you know, I think a good choice to make. I was telling you this before we got started. The original Cybermen seem ridiculous in the context of Cybermen because they've got kind of like bandages on their heads and uh, like fans on their chests, but in this context, and this episode spends the whole runtime of the episode ex- establishing the context. In this context, the original Cybermen are awesome because what they are is body horror monsters. They are they are mummy, Frankenstein kind of in that tradition. So having this dark, scary hospital with the creepy conversion center and the and the 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 silent and in pain creatures in the recovery area, the out of the inbox the and the conversion in the outbox like that all works in establishing who these these creatures are mm-hmm. in i would argue in a much more realistic way than any of the other ways the cybermen are depicted and there's a big finish audio about this too called spare parts that tells a very similar story which is basically what happens when people are so desperate that they start cyber converting and and so i think it all works i don't think they are ridiculous because you're coming at it as that they're they're horror monsters and not robot monsters well and in some ways in a lot of ways i think it's more horrifying than the factory cybermen because in that you know the people are you know they line up they go through their cybermen in this we're seeing like the slow evolution part of it anyway of of this conversion and of this like this person in pain and and stating through their you know their voice box that they're in pain and someone just like dialing down the volume and ignore just to ignore that um and and then oh eventually we get to yeah well we've managed to take away the pain so it's it's not even just that like it it was a, a conversion that happens it's like this genesis of how they get there mm-hmm. that is also extremely terrifying yeah yeah i i think it's that is always part of the cyberman lore and yet what happened was in the 60s and 70s the cybermen really did just get turned into robot monsters and russell t davis tried to bring back the body horror with with his um uh, his two cybermen two-parter in the second season but it was and you know there are those moments where they are where the the emotion is turned off and they're all sad and all of that but in the end what he wanted was big tall marching cybermen and here Stephen moffat is comfortable going back to their roots in in body horror because that's the tragedy of the Mm -hmm. cybermen is that they're not the daleks the daleks chose to be what they are the cybermen were sort of driven into it through desperation and the the people who are made cybermen it's it's a it's a horror process where their will is subverted and they're turned into these mechanized creatures so i i like that with this hospital we get that same creepy horror thing i think yep. it's the right for the right i think the yep. cybermen like it, they deserve to for us to see this because they're much more interesting this way yeah they are and and from a set design standpoint this hospital is really good too from you know like the i don't know somewhere between like 1910 ish and 1950 type decor and the like the awful lighting and all of that they did 
actually a really, really good job, I thought. I agree. It really reminded me, actually, of the hospital in The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, which was, of course, Stephen Moffat's first story for Doctor Who, for modern classic Doctor, or modern Doctor Who. Uh, joke uh, sketch videos are not included in that. Sorry, fans of The Curse of Fatal Death. Um and it reminded me because that was you know our UI mummy and all that and it's mm-hmm. like here here we are full circle Stephen Moffat's almost done and we are back to kind of body horror in a hospital um, and yeah it looked great the dark panels and the doors and yep. it was it was uh, it was super creepy so um, oh yeah we we find out the the people the, all of the converted people are making the this. Uh, there's the, she hears the one that's like pain, 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 and and the the mean nurse ratchet figure comes in to see who's making all this noise in here, and she finds the guy who's keying pain, 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 and what does she do? She turns down his volume and walks out. Oh, oh, and then Bill like turns it up and turns it down, so she starts and goes to another one and turns it up, and it's saying kill me, kill, kill me, me yeah. kill me, and she turns that one down. And it's like no, it's terrifying. Um, but we meet somebody. Who is not the creepy surgeon and is not the nurse ratchet? It's this guy. Is he's never named? Is he? His name is apparently on a badge. He. I, uh, my guess is that he is named because because he says, "Oh, that you know, I'm I'm secret." And she's like, "Yeah, but your name's on the badge." When he has the key. Oh shoot! But I never I never noticed his name. Yep. And I so I'm sure he has one. And okay. who knows? Maybe yep. it's a clever anagram yep. of master because that always happens. But no, I didn't get it. And he reminded me like nothing of Zathras from Babylon Five. He's this kind of shaggy guy who speaks funny and says, "Here, come here. I will I will tell you about the ship. <laughs> You'd be my friend, friend. Yes, come here. Yep. He's doing that sort of sort of like kind of a, a kooky guy, but he's he's nice and he offers Bill tea. Very funny. Good. Do you want the good, good tea or the, the bad, bad tea? tea. She says, I'll take the good tea. It's good. The positive attitude will help with the horror to come. Laugh out loud line because the horror to come, mainly the tea. Mm-hmm. The, yep. Yeah. That's, that, was, that was all very funny. So she's found a friend. And as they're walking in for where he's making the tea, we pass by a screen. And I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but in that moment as it passes by, you see the doctor and the people on the bridge frozen in time because they're moving very slowly through time. And then later they go back to it and he explains, that's now, that's live. And we, the, the, when we left the doctor, he was about to explain the time dilation. And we've gone through all of this with Bill, which leads to the point now where that's now where we kind of go through the screen and it plays again because no time has essentially elapsed because mm-hmm. of the time dilation and the doctor explains how this works. At which point we cut back to Bill and it's weeks later because, again, time dilation is happening. She now works in the hospital and she's cleaning the floors and stuff and Nurse Ratchet knows, knows that she's there. And, and uh, for now they're letting her work and, and they haven't converted her yet. So I really I like these scenes of like going back between the doctor and Bill and the doctor and Bill, um, not so much for the doctor parts of it, but for those interactions of Bill sitting with this guy watching what's going on and his like, oh, this is, you know, this is riveting. And she's like, oh, he's explaining something like it has eyebrows arching. He's being clever. This for the next he, two weeks. We'll be watching him raise his eyebrow. Yeah. And uh, I, I loved it. I loved those scenes. I loved Bill and and our uh Zathras. <laughs> Bill and Zathras together. Uh, I I like them a lot. I was like, yes, this is this is fun. It was fun. There were a lot of funny lines. Uh, this whole episode really had a lot of good good one-liners in it. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure we we both, because we were paying attention and taking notes, I'm sure we missed some. A this lot, is, yeah. Yet again, I, I feel like now my standard for Doctor Who needs to be to watch it again a second time with the captions on so I can catch all the witty dialogue yeah. that is said in an English accent that I didn't entirely understand when it blew past um, with lines and rejoinders and things like that but yeah it's this whole thing is delightful yeah where it's 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 portraying time dilation that the the doctor and missy and nardole are playing out this scene um this one scene while bill spends weeks or months in the hospital you know getting to know what the deal is and and seeing the horror and then you know at the very at the very end of this segment they're moving toward the elevator and she says you know how long until they get down right. here? And uh, along with an important line that I kept asking, and I thought they would hop in the TARDIS and that that would be their way to like, then they could just go back. So Bill could, 
you know, wouldn't wouldn't end up living years down and below because they would go to take the TARDIS. But that doesn't happen, and it's explained with a line where the Doctor says, "This too close to a black hole." Basically, there's no way that I could I could be that precise, or you know, I could fly down there. Which they've said in the past too, I think, haven't they? Yeah, I think it's it's. I mean, it's a it's a convenient excuse right. for why this works. But I think it's. I'm glad that they. Yeah. Again, this is one of those things that you can. We always have this debate on this podcast about would the additional dialogue help us not worry about it or would it just get in the way? And it's one line and it's dashed off and it solves the TARDIS problem. Yep. And that's like, that's all I want is yep. to like, why would you not take the TARDIS? And the answer is because I can't. Black hole. I do want to say one other thing about kind of watching Bill examine the doctor in these very still scenes. Mm-hmm. Little paintings of the doctor yeah, in action. It really reinforces how much time she's spent with him. We get her for, what is it, 11 episodes. She's been with him for years and spending a lot of time and traveling with him. And even before that, getting to know him as a mentor. And that kind of, the knife in my heart twists a little bit more when I I think about that. Because she's like, oh, his eyebrow. That means he's making a joke. Oh, the sonic screwdriver's in the air. He's explaining something. You know, like, I don't know. It just, it's a little, a little heart-wrenching for me, his... It's a Bill fan. I so I I don't know whether this will be brought up or not. It probably will next week. But n- jumping ahead, I w- I will just say. I mean, we've we already. You don't listen to this if you haven't. If you're watching the episode Seriously. while you're listening to this, what what is wrong with you? <laughs> you you have a very special talent. But um, given what the revelation is that we'll get to in a little bit with the Zathras figure and the fact that it is our other guest star who I knew was in this episode and still did not twig on until very late in the game that it was him. Excellent work under under the makeup. But um, think back to this now. The Master hung out with Bill for months watching the Doctor on TV. That kind of delights me. Mm-hmm. Because she's analyzing the doctor and he's sitting there listening to her analyze the doctor. And, and he get, knows all this. And get and getting to know her that whole time. And I hope I hope something is made of that because I mean, yeah, okay, evil plan, maybe, who knows what the story is, but I like the idea that the master um spent a long time with Bill. That's really interesting to me. And it makes me wonder if the master's presence so this is well, well, we'll get there, but it makes me wonder if the Master's presence is not quite as cut and dried as we might think, given um, that he did spend that time with her. That How could you not at least get to get to know her in that time, even if yeah. you're an evil madman killer but I don't know. monster like, guy? We've seen him in the past, like, married with a wife who he's dated. Yeah, That he very callously... Because it's evil plans. Yep. Evil plans. What you gonna do? Yep. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see, yeah. So um, we do get an explanation. Um, well, the doctor's making an explanation, and Bill's like, well, this is going to take a while. Um, but uh, our, our uh, friend Zathras says, uh, we're dying on this ship. They are the future. Bill keeps being reminded by the doctor with his little mental projection, wait for me, wait for me. Um, but it's our world is lost. We must evolve. And then she is told at one point, um, soon you will all be upgraded which is like there it is right mm-hmm. i mean all the language is here it would be easy to to know about to notice it but you gotta you know i think it would be easy to miss it too because even you know are you thinking of the cybermen in this context whereas i'm like oh my god you will be upgraded it's gonna happen um and there's operation exodus and the idea is leave the city and take command of the ship um but we also get an interesting piece of dialogue that is never discussed, which is uh, further in this episode. You don't understand the dangers. We can't go up there yet. There's something at floor 507. The people go there and they don't come back. So, yeah. yeah I hope they explain that because the entire time this episode I was doing what Bill was doing and thinking, why doesn't she just get in the elevator? Yeah. And 
you know, go. And it's made apparent when she leaves the hospital with um, with her new friends that she can't get too far from the hospital for right. whatever reason. Uh, so that... Her, yeah, she's got like a limiter on her little heart, artificial heart thing that she's got in her chest. The, yeah. The little metal box that she wears under all of her all of her sweaters. Baggy sweaters. And when she, when she hugs, her, hugs her little friend, he says, you hurt my heart. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, wait for it. Here comes the mm-hmm. joke. It's because you've got the metal pokey thing and it po- pokes me in the heart. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. But uh, so that gives us a reason why she can't read. But the, the, at this point, they're in the elevator. So they're coming. They're in the lift. They're arriving. But at the same time, Bill is betrayed, led into the conversion area by her friend and by the mean nurse to to have the uh, the, the mean, scary sur- surgeon there who says it's for your own good. Yep. You, you don't you know, people don't want to they, they scream and stuff if we tell them that we're leading them in here. Um, and, but this is when the doctor arrives to save the day, except he keeps looking around and can't find Bill anywhere, which is not good. And the story is playing with time. So we, we actually don't know how long it's been since we saw Bill in the other scene when they arrive, right? That that's unsaid how long it actually takes. He never actually tells her. And so we don't really know, which leads to that point where, uh, when it's revealed that there's a Cyberman, a Mondasian Cyberman standing there, relatively recently converted. Um, we don't know if that could be Bill or not because we just saw her, but we don't know how long the gap is between then and when they come out. To, yeah. I don't think she was being converted like while they were in the ante room, right? I think seems this like has been conversion some would time. take a be a process. Well, yeah, and they would sit a- and they have to sit in the out box and all of that, right? It, right. it takes it takes time to to get all the way cyber converted. So presumably there's a, a gap happening here, but um, before that happens, when they arrive, the doctor. So the doctor. And Nardole go off and he leaves Missy behind to figure things out on the computer, which I, I which is like her. a reason to keep them separate so, so that the rest of the scene can happen. But, you right. know, Nardole's sad. He's like, the, the computer, I'm the computer person. Computer is my thing. He's yeah. like, come on. And they go and, and they find all of the all of the surgery things. Meanwhile, yeah, Missy is hanging out and our uh, our. Uh, oh, oh, and uh, her argument to I don't want to miss this. Her argument to Nardole is. Um, oh my gosh she's you know she's she's more clever than you are the doctor says and she says you know but she's evil and she she says same thing really isn't yeah well a little bit (laughs) back and forth i like clever. i like that well and even as she's got you know our the master standing behind her talking and she has she doesn't know what's going on she doesn't remember this um which seems, I don't know, it seems like it would be a, one of those like fixed point in time, points in time it's for her. The, the memory, when the doctor meets himself, there's this question of like, do they, does anybody remember what happened? That's and that they're true. all a little bit hazy about it. And so that's how I'm going to explain it. Okay. I think usually what the way it's explained is that the one who is the newest remembers things and the one who is older, it gets hazy. But the problem here is that the older one knows what's going on and the newer one, it doesn't understand right. it. So I think we're just going to have to go with it. I, I am skeptical if that will ever be explained, but it is kind of funny that, that Missy doesn't remember that she has been here before and lived through this entire thing. I guess that's, yeah, maybe, maybe the master doesn't either to a certain extent, because that's, that's the way you get these multi time Lord stories to play fair is that in the moments when they're together, none of them has a memory of what happened. And so they all just react. And then the, the past ones then lose their memory of it, right? So that actually does follow that Missy yeah. wouldn't remember it because, well, no, that's that wouldn't it doesn't follow. She should be the one who does remember it, and John Sims' master doesn't remember it. So it's conf- it's yeah, time it's, time lords meeting themselves. You know, you've got to you've got to time you me. You gotta yeah, you gotta have an explanation so you can play fair and have them behave like characters instead of like. Um, robots who know where it's all deterministic and they've lived through it all so that's how they do it is they all like in the moment they behave like they don't remember and then later one of them remembers and the others forget so maybe that's what's going on here he seems to know an awful lot but maybe not um this is by the way this is that moment where um he's behind her and talking to her but before he's given sort of any clues that this is the moment where i thought Oh, that's John Sim, isn't it? Yeah. It took me till now 
And then I, 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 I had the moment of thinking that, and I heard the voice, and I thought, that is him. It's him in makeup doing a voice. And it totally was. We've been watching it. I, I knew he was in this episode, and I watched the whole episode, and I didn't realize that that guy was John Sim. I was too delighted in the fact that he was being like Zathras on Babylon 5. <laughs> he, did, he did such a good job with yeah. that character. He really did. Funny accent. In the funny accent. and That is classic makeup, master. And... I mean, the master is supposed to be a master of disguise, among other things, and all that. But he got me. He got me. I was yeah. not on master alert because I just assumed we would see John Sim later, and I didn't expect him to be planted like that. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. So. It was it was really good. And again, I didn't I didn't know that he was in the episode, but I I loved that as he comes in and she's like, "You need to stay three feet away from me because it'll be easier for me to not kill you if you don't get close." And yeah. like all of these things are really funny. And then she starts. Um, I guess they're funny if you have a dark sense of humor anyway. <laughs> and then um, and then, then he starts taunting her and like, don't you remember this? And I was like... You were here long I, ago. Right. So I knew, <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, okay, something's happening. And that's when I was like, oh, is this a past version of mm. her? But I didn't know... One, I didn't know if that theory was correct. And two, I didn't know which past version uh, it might be. Right. Or if it was one that we even knew. Right. Because again, I'm completely unspoiled for all of this so and you nailed it it uh, totally was a it, past master it, and that was that was a fun it was a fun little moment i'm i i loved this episode i'm so glad i didn't didn't know anything about it because it was just uh i, I was on a thrill ride and i knew things about it <laughs> and so i i can i can only imagine yeah. um, we also get the mondos download here which is very it's pretty subtle but it's like oh this is a this is from a planet. I, I, I'm unclear on where the ship is exactly. We see Earth's solar system, and they're like, oh, this is from a planet that's like Earth, but it's not Earth. It's Mondas, because that's a classic Doctor Who story. When we meet the Cybermen, there's this. From a time when writers of television really didn't understand uh, science or astronomy, um, they still don't, but uh, it used to be worse. This is a, like alternate earth on the opposite side of the sun but it gets thrown out of its orbit and the people are dying it's a little like space 1999 kind of as a scenario and that's why they become the cybermen is that they like it's getting very cold and the atmosphere is freezing and they're far away from the sun and so they have to do this to survive so the explanation here is that this ship is this colony ship is actually from mondas like maybe this is what their reaction to being flung out of the solar system was is to create this ship and um, so that's going on, plus the revelation that um, as the the dialogue keeps increasing from the guy standing behind Missy, it's even more like, are you getting it yet? Mm-hmm. You've been here before. You might be here now. What's going on? It's like, here he is. And he takes off his mask. He's got a Mission Impossible mask. And he's like, ta-da, it's John Sims' master. And uh, it's all super tense and exciting. And I still am not entirely clear about the Mondas explanation, but... Um, Maybe the idea here is that this is um, the suggestion, because he says this is the genesis of the Cybermen. I'm like, people have talked for a long time about Genesis of the Daleks, the classic episode, and there should be a Genesis of the Cybermen episode. And the master just calls it like, you know what we're seeing here? This is the genesis of the Cybermen, Doctor, right here. So the idea that the way the Cybermen were created apparently is the people of Mondas tried to escape they were on this big colony ship that more or less looks like it's a city, um, but it's actually on, on a colony ship. And they had lots of time because of the black hole time dilation to um, wear down and realize they can't survive as people and turn into Cybermen. And then they take over, presumably take over the ship and flee and begin to colonize and t- try to take over other planets. I think that's the, the implication here. I guess we'll, maybe we'll get more yeah, about that later, out. but that's, that's what the master says to the doctor when he, when he reveals, um, cause he comes in and there's no explanation about what's going on, but Missy and the master both come in. And so it's like, what is she thinking now? Um, he does say, I'm very worried about my future, which is a funny line. Like, yeah. but I'm evil and you're trying to be good. Something has gone horribly wrong here. And, uh, and and then the the other big reveal here, which is yes, that Cyberman that is fully converted that we've seen is Bill. Bill has been converted. She says, you know, searching for Bill Potts, searching for Bill Potts. I was Bill Potts, or I am Bill Potts. Yeah. I waited because he told her to wait yeah. for him. Oh my god! And then we get the other big iconic sort of Cyberman accoutrements moment, which is we zoom into the eye. We see Bill's eye behind it. 
there's a tear and the tear comes out so. the edge of the eye forming that Cybermen sort of tear in the quarter of the eye that that became iconic with future Cybermen. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Bill, no! Oh, I'm so sad. And, you know, the thing is, just like with Clara last year, knowing that, the, that, that this is... I mean, we don't know that Bill is leaving, but all indications are that Chris Chibnall is going to start fresh. So certainly, if she's not leaving, they have kept it a secret mm-hmm. to make us feel like she's she must be leaving. So when you get to a situation like this, honestly, just like when they killed, um, killed Clara and they brought her back. But, um, I don't know. Like I accepted when Clara died because Stephen Moffat knows how TV shows write characters out. Right. So he spent time. Everybody was sad. Clara died. It's very sad. And so I was like, all right, she's leaving. I guess, I guess this is it. We'll see her maybe like in flashback or something later, but this is it. She's dead. And you know, I guess she did die then, but it's a cheat. Yeah. And here with Bill, it's the same thing. It's like Bill going to, is she, is this it? She's un, un deconvertible from being a Cyberman and this is her horrible fate or will she be saved? It's like, Oh, it'd be really sad if this is her horrible fate, but I don't know. Like for all I know, this is, this is how Bill, is uh, written out of the show is this horrific cyber conversion and and that's it. It could be. We could see her in flashback too and yeah, that's have true. It, and and so again, it would be very sad, but I can't just wave my hands out and say nah, they're not going right. to do that cuz they could. Oh yeah. Even if they don't, they could. They totally could do that now. Yeah. I think what um what makes me s- sad is, you know, it's not a lot of time with Bill. You know, if she leaves, it's yeah. not a lot of time. And she really is, I think, a great character. And I especially think, you know, uh, seeing, you know, black lesbian uh, trying to make it in the world. Like, yeah. we need more shows where that's happening. So I would like to see her come back. I would like to see her be, you know, happy and successful. Or like, or even if she doesn't come back, please don't let the Cybermen be her end. Yeah. You know, like deconvert her somehow Give take her, her back to earth some kind of happy ending yeah make, or or, or call or call uh call her friend heather from the oil puddle and have her come spirit her away to be a magic uh oh, energy yeah, yeah. something um as a Stephen moffat talks a good game but he really does actually like everybody living yeah in his episodes he has a hard time killing char- characters off we've seen it time and again he can kill them off but then he kind of brings them back, them back. So, you know, it could be that simple as being I contacted the Heather the Heather the pilot of the of the floating Whatever. living oil yeah. ship thingy and she's gonna take her away and they'll travel the universe together and isn't that nice? Which is, you know, again, it's a hand wavy kind of don't feel so bad. But but yeah, I mean I want as we get it closer to the season it just hits home. It's like I want more one, I want more Peter Capaldi, and two, I want more the Doctor and Bill mm-hmm. and Nardole. Quite frankly, yeah, I've really enjoyed him too. This is going to be like at least we had a whole season, but every now and then there you get one of these TARDIS configurations that you're like, oh, I really like this, yeah. and then it's over because the Doctors don't stay more than three years, and the companions often stay one year. Sometimes it's more with, with Amy um, and Clara. We got more, but like with uh, with Donna. And uh, and with uh, with Martha. Martha, I got Freema Agumon and not Martha Jones. That's kind of funny that I could remember the actress's name. Um, only got one year, and I feel that same pull of like I want more more of this configuration than yeah. I know we're gonna get, and it's frustrating. Yeah, like more. I really want more Peter Cabaldi. One of these days, it didn't happen again. Um, one of these days, I want a doctor actor to stay through a production change because I always have one of the most intriguing it's not perfect by any means intriguing seasons of the classic Doctor Who is the last Tom Baker season okay because the new producer swept away the theme song and the opening credits and the way they made the show and the new show with still Tom Baker for one more year, but it was like his costume was different. The music was different. The incidental music was different. The special effects were different. It, the stories were weird. And it was like, again, not entirely 100% successful, but so interesting mm-hmm. in like, 
hey, everybody, you know Tom Baker for six years, the length of time of two doctors on on average. Modern, yeah. Here's a seventh year that's like, and he went through, I mean, there was already a showrunner change in the middle of that. But then this one is like, it's like a totally different show, but it's still the same guy. I would love to have seen a year of David Tennant with Stephen Moffat running the show or a year of Peter Capaldi with Chris Chibnall running the show. Alas... That doesn't seem to it's happen. Not happen. Yeah, I think there's too it's, much cha- over, too much turnover, and it's like every the doctors feel like I might as well go now. Because um, if Scottish David Tennant couldn't be induced to stay for Scottish Stephen Moffat, I guess it's never going to happen. I but wish, it's a shame. I wish David Tennant had stayed. He's David Tennant is my doctor, but yeah. like I'm I, with you. Yeah, I, I I think that could be interesting, but it, it's so. It's so easy just to be like, all right, everybody's new. Well, and there's a big gap with, with Chibnall because he's doing the third season of Broadchurch, or he was doing that, that he was obligated to do that. My understanding, and this is, um, this actually, we, we might have gotten it this way and it didn't happen, is the, the rumor mill is that Stephen Moffat's last season was supposed to be last season and that there was supposed to be a handoff and then Chris Chibnall's first season would have been this season with Peter Capaldi, presumably. And I would have gotten that weird season with another take on the same actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And the rumor is that when they picked Chris Chibnall for the job, he said, when he finally said yes, the problem was he had Series 3 of Broadchurch that already had to be produced, which meant he wasn't going to be available for like two years. And at that point, Stephen Moffat was, again, I don't know this for sure. This is just scuttlebutt, but that's the rumor is that then Stephen Moffat was persuaded to stay for one more year because the person they wanted to hire wasn't ready. Hmm. And that we get this season as a result, which has been a good season, but it is it is this interesting case where now if you're Peter Capaldi, you've done your three years. Do you want to wait around another kind of year and a half interregnum period and then do a season and then say goodbye? Or do you want to just sort of like go with the entire production staff? Because my understanding is, you know, some people will probably return, but I think it's going to be like a a really new production. Right. And um, so maybe it's a time for him to go, but it's it's a shame. And and same goes for, for Pearl Mackey, who... I you know I would love to have her surprise surprise come back as Bill, but I feel like with the the way this story has escalated the stakes with her, you know now we just have to hope that she gets some semblance of a happy ending like uh, like Clara did right instead of like hope that she'll actually somehow weather this and come back as a normal person and be on Doctor Who with a new yeah. Doctor next year because that seems pretty unlikely. Yeah, I I do like it when uh when the companions stay around for a year when there's a year of overlap because yeah, it's it, it just helps. Yeah, Clara reacting to Peter Capaldi was really fun. Mm-hmm. In she knows the old Doctor and now there's a new Doctor. That's a fun dynamic. It was fun when you know Sarah Jane reacting to Tom Baker instead of John Pertwee was really interesting. Um, when Tom Baker regenerated into Peter Davis and the companions were really new, so it was it was a little less, I think, uh, of an impact. And same with the Colin Baker regeneration. Um, but I, I really liked it with um, with Clara reacting, and of course with Rose, Rose reacting yeah. to the Christopher Eccleston David Tennant regeneration. That's it provides some continuity for the audience too. Yep. It's like new Doctor, old companion. Whereas with the Matt Smith one which is, I think, what we're going to get again. It was just like fresh start, no overlap, completely different set of characters. You're never going to see those old characters again. We're moving on. And I think they did a good job with it, too, not to digress too much from the, it the current episode, but I think they did a really good job. I liked that first episode of meeting baby Amelia Pond. Yeah, and, and I think you need it. Yeah. Right? Like um, for new viewers to say it's a new show, you can jump on here, yep. renew the whole show. It's not just a new doctor. It's a new show. Um, which didn't happen with uh, the the uh, David Tennant regeneration because it wasn't a new show. It was right. the same production staff, same showrunner, just a new doctor. doctor. And uh, likewise with Clara crossing over with Peter Capaldi, same production staff, new doctor. So this is, yeah, I feel like we're going, this is the the equivalent of the end of time, basically, where it's the showrunner upping all the stakes before leaving Featuring John Sim, just throw him right. in. Uh, so uh, it leaves open the mystery of the Christmas special. Boy, I really am curious about what that's going to be. There are some rumors that I'm not going to share with you. 
Got five months. Because you are unspoiled. unspoiled. You are the master, master, <laughs> Missy. You're the Missy of, the Missy. of, of spoilers, of you not know, being spoiled. I am very impressed. If I could have some Missy style, I'd take it too, but... And if this episode does nothing else but rehab the Mondasian Cybermen as their true, terrifying, body horror, mummy creature monsters that they are, um, I will be happy because I, um, you know, old Doctor Who is actually the really old stuff is really hard to watch for mm-hmm. a modern audience. But I always thought those were really cool. It was a cool idea. And I know it was kind of born out of them having no budget. But the initial idea was more like the Borg except even more low tech like literally we just take people and stick technology on them and isn't it horrible they're monsters and this episode got that like we got to spend some time with the people becoming monsters and we didn't get to spend time with people as people we just sort of saw that there were people out in that world being let in in sort of rags and being converted I kind of that's what the big finish audio spare parts is, is you meet the people in this family and you don't realize that these are, this is Mondas and these people are all going to start getting converted and it's even more horrific, but still it's a great story. Glad to see the rehab of the, of the, of these Cybermen because a little heresy, Cybermen are kind of boring. They are. And this is, these guys are not boring. No. They're horrifying. And that's like, good. That's a good monster. The horrifying, they're victims yep. as much as they're monsters. And I like that. Daleks are not ever to, as much as they try, they are not victims. No, they're they have monsters. Agency, they make choice. They they make horrible, evil yeah. choices. Unless there's something wrong with them, in which case they turn good. But unless they have been irradiated or uh, driven mad by looking into a time vortex or something, that generally the Daleks are just evil monsters. Yep. And and the the Cybermen here are are just people horrible who have been horribly changed yeah. by uh, the circumstance of their their desperate circumstance. Yeah. All right. Well. Dear listener, next week, it's the big finale. I don't know who my guest will be. I, I don't know where I'll be recording it from because <laughs> I'll be traveling again next week oh, to no. a different location. But I will find a way to be with you next Saturday night somehow for the season finale as we count down toward the last goodbye for Peter Capaldi. But until then, before I go, let me thank in person Aline Sims thank you for being here yeah i'm so glad this worked out it's been a lot of fun a flash cast appears out of the blue uh we'll be back next week thanks for listening everybody goodbye